The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. We continue looking today in the book of Job at Job's second answer to Eliphaz. Eliphaz, you may recall, was one of his miserable comforter friends, and he began to attack Job harsher and harsher as it went along. Job had some issues. Job had some pride problems and self-righteousness problems. But overall, Job answered in a more right way than any of these miserable comforter friends did. We're looking at his answer to Eliphaz now, and we've seen that Job has issued a plea for sympathy to his friends and a plea for justice to God, and he will ultimately plead to God for death. But Job had a hope. His hope lay not in men, not in these miserable comforters, but in his Savior, his Redeemer, that would one day stand upon the earth. Join us today as we continue looking at Job's answer to Eliphaz. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
So here Brother Job is still not too far off. We're going to see some more pride slipping through later, but he, he's not too far off. Now, I, I understand that there is no man that sinneth not. That's established many places in the Scripture. And he's saying, I haven't done any injustice, and maybe he is a little prideful here because he really is a sinner. But in general, he's not, he's not too far off. In fact, he's been repeatedly crying out for a fair trial, hasn't he? Look at verse 19. Also now, behold, my witness is in heaven, and my record is on high. My friends scorn me, but mine eye poureth out tears unto God. Oh, that one might plead for a man with God as a man pleadeth for his neighbor. When a few years are come, then I shall go the way whence I shall not return. I think generally what he's doing here is he's saying, I know I'm going to get justice one day. I know all wrong things are going to be made right one day. But oh, that there was just someone to, could, that could be my representative, could be my attorney, could plead for me with God as a man pleadeth, as a man represents his neighbor. You know, we would say today, I just want a lawyer to speak up for me. He's already cried out for a mediator. You remember back in Job chapter 9, verses 32 and 33, he said, He is not a man as I am that I should answer him, and we should come together in judgment. He's right about that. God's not a man. There's not one that can lay his hand on God and lay his, uh, you know, no man can lay his hand on God and lay his hand on Job. But he says, Neither is there any daysman betwixt us that might lay his hand upon us both. There is no daysman. That's a capital D. And that daysman is the, it's the only place in Scripture that word appears. And it's talking about a mediator. You know that song we sing the days, about the daysman? That's, uh, that's important to us. And we understand now. In 1 John chapter 2, just, let's just turn over there for just a second. We're not going to stay there long, but just for a second. 1 John chapter 2, in verse... One, it says, My little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. In other words, we understand now that we do have such a mediator. You can go back to Hebrews chapter 2. You can go to Hebrews chapter 4 and you can read about this mediator. He's not someone so high in the heavens he cannot be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. But he is absolutely touched by the feeling of our infirmities. He's yet without sin. But he is the one who is the mediator between us and God. In Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25, we're told that he's able to save them to the uttermost that come to God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. That's the daysman that Job didn't really know about. That's the daysman that Job was crying out for. And he was pleading for justice before God. Now just as one other little aside, you understand and I understand that in the courtroom of heaven our plea is not for justice. We're going to get justice. Did you know that? We are getting justice. Even as children of God, we're getting justice. Our sins are being judged. Every single one of them. But praise God for those who are his elect children. They're judged in Christ. And not, on a, not in us. So the, the idea of standing one day before the judgment seat of God in that great white throne judgment that we read about in I believe is the 19th chapter of Revelation and having all of our works poured out, uh, paraded out before God. 
and him weighing them out, just which ones outweigh the others, praise God, we don't have to do that. We'll never be there because our mediator, our daysman, has already done it. But Job here still doesn't know all he needs to know about this and never will because he lives in Old Testament days. But he's crying out for justice. And then in chapter 17, and we're not going to read the whole chapter, but just understand that Job's plea to God here is for death. He says, I want justice, but he's so tormented that he said, Lord, just, just take my life. How many times have we heard him say that already? <laughs> Look at verse 1. My breath is corrupt. My days are extinct. The graves are ready for me. He goes on to talk about all the mockers and the, uh, the provocation that he experiences. And he's, he's talking about these men that were here with him and others as well. I'm sure these weren't the only men who were making fun of Job and running him down. Uh, notice in verse uh, 5, he says, he that's, or verse 6, He hath made me a byword of the people. And aforetime afore I was as a tabret. In other words... Um, at one time, I wasn't a byword, but now I am. I'm just, a, I'm just a lesson for those out there that they're using me in a, in a mocking way, in a way of putting me down. Verse 8, upright men shall be astonished at this, and the innocent shall stir up himself against the hypocrite. The righteous shall lay hold on his way. He that hath clean hands shall be stronger and stronger. But as for you all, do you return and come now, for I cannot find one man, wise man among you. <laughs> He said in verses, verse 10 there, there's no help among men. My case is a source of mockery, and I cannot find any help among men. And let, let me say this, too. Uh, I'm no expert on psychology or psychiatry, but I do have the common experience of all men uh, and women in dealing with life, and I've also done a little research on this, but... You know what the studies show about suicide? It's not really even the depression itself that leads people to suicide. It's the hopelessness that accompanies it. It's the idea of pointlessness and uselessness and hopelessness. Look at verse 11. My days are past. My purposes are broken off. Even the thoughts of my heart. They change the night into day. The light is short because of darkness. If I wait, the grave is my house. I have made my bed in the darkness. I have said to corruption, thou art my father. To the worm, thou art my mother and my sister. And where is now my hope? As for my hope, who shall see it? They shall go down to the bars of the pit when our rest together is in the dust. You could really sum all this up in that phrase we hear so often. Life's hard, and then you die. Under the sun, that's all there is. That's what the preacher was talking about in Ecclesiastes when he said vanity of vanities. All is vanity. Now, I don't want to preach my experience too much here, but let me just say, Brother Mackey, I know you're a little bit older than I am. A few of y'all are a little bit older than me, but... A lot of y'all are a lot younger than me. And I'm approaching my 55th birthday. Well, I've already gotten beyond my, you know, halfway through my four score and my three score and 10 or four score if I'm blessed, you know. I'm already under the law of averages on the downhill slide. 
And, and so as I approached my birthday, you know, birthdays used to be the most fun things all year except for Christmas. Now, <laughs> they can be a very depressing day. <laughs> as I realize another year is going. But you know, one year, I can't remember when it was, I thought I was getting a year older than I was. And, and I, when I realized that I wasn't, I was so tickled. It was amazing. I was a year younger. I, it's like I gained a year, you know, because I was just mistaken. But anyway, um, so now I'm beginning to experience that, man, I, I intended to do this before I die. I, I wanted to get this done before I get to where I can't do things. And, I, man, I better get on the ball if I'm going to uh, go see this site or explore this place or or finish this task and and it's kind of sobering you know and now Job here is at the point where what's the point he said where is my hope because all these things I built for and I I built and I built and I built I had children they're all gone everything's torn down where is my hope what's the point as we close tonight, I want us to go back to verse 10. One thing I love about dear old Job is even when he may not really be intending to do it, he lets just a little bit of the most glorious truth slip through. And that's the way it works because God's inspiring this to be written, you see. And I believe God was with him when he was speaking. They have gaped upon me with their mouth. They have smitten me upon the cheek reproachfully. They have gathered themselves together against me. I can't say I've ever experienced that like Job did. But I've experienced some of those things. In Psalm 22, verse 13, we read a very similar state, statement. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and a roaring lion. Now, we don't have time to go through Psalm 22, but I just want to remind you, Psalm 22 is the only first-person account of Christ's suffering on the cross. Everywhere else we read about it, even Isaiah 53, we're, we're looking on it. It's a third-person account. We have a view from heaven occasionally. But here, the psalm itself starts off with the cry of Christ on the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And that's not David, that's not over in the, uh, the Gospels, that's not Christ quoting David, that's David here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in prospect quoting Christ. See, it's a messianic psalm. So the things in here, and, and about these messianic psalms, they have a direct and immediate application. David is really feeling this, and he's really experiencing some of these things. But a messianic psalm also points us symbolically and, and, prof, and prophetic uh, foreshadowing of what's going to happen later. In other words, David's feeling this, but it's also, in a deeper sense, pointing us to Christ. And so, verse 13 is a statement in prospect by David about Jesus where Christ is saying they gaped upon me with their mouths. When I, when I read that, that verse and the verse back over in Job 17 and verse 10, 
It reminds me of some things. It says back in verse 10, they have gaped upon me with their mouth. That reminds me of Matthew chapter 27, verse 38. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and another on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, thou, hast, thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it again in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also mocking him with the scribes and elders said he saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. And you know, if it wasn't bad enough, even the lowly thieves looked down on Jesus. Isn't that something? The, the thieves, at least if you were being crucified with somebody else, you'd think there'd be a little bit of, uh, of, of camaraderie there, a little bit of identification. And they could look around at each other and say, oh, man, I'm sorry for you. I'm sorry for you. We're experiencing all this. But even the thieves put Jesus down, mocking him. That's what he's talking about here, gaping upon me with their mouths, mocking me. And notice it also says they have smitten me upon the cheek reproachfully. That reminds me of Matthew chapter 26, verse 67. Then did they spit in his face. These are, the, these are the high priests and the guards. And buffeted him, and others smote him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy unto us, thou Christ, who is he that smote thee? Smiting him. They have smitten me upon the cheek reproachfully. Oh, they're mocking him here and striking him. And then we read that they have gathered themselves together against me. That reminds me of Acts chapter 4. Over in Acts chapter 4, in verse 26, we read that the kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ for a of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. It says, they have gathered themselves together against me, says old Job. Well, Job might not have really gotten the point here, but I think we need to get the point. The next verse says, the reason they were gathered together. It wasn't the reason they thought. They had different intentions, but it says, for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. Even when these great entities gathered themselves against Christ, they were really only fulfilling the will of God. They weren't doing it in a godly way. They weren't doing it in a way that was pleasing to the Lord. But the Lord overruled their wicked intentions and he put them and he uh, and he accomplished his task in eternal redemption. And I say that to say this. We know something Job didn't. When we get to the point of suffering like Job did, and hopefully we'll never get to that point. There's a reason God put Job's suffering in writing so that we could see that he had it worse than just about anybody we ever known. When we find ourselves in the pit of despair, in the depths of suffering, in the miry clay, remember 1 Peter 4 and verse 12. 
Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. When we find ourselves in the pit of suffering like Job, just remember we're in good company. We're in good company. Notice what he says, but rejoice. Inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. There's just something comforting about knowing that somebody else suffered in a similar way. I told you I don't, I'm not going to try to preach my experience, but I do want to share this with you. When I was in high school, I, boy, I liked a girl. I thought I was in love with her, and she, she didn't like me back. <laughs> uh, and so that's the first time I had thought I was in love, and I, boy, I had a hard time with it. And there was a time, I'll never forget it, after we, I graduated high school, that I was on a trip with mom and daddy, and I, I just finally talked to daddy about it. Daddy wasn't one to open up and talk a lot, but, but I told daddy about it. And daddy got to telling me about the time this girl that he just thought he was in love with dropped him, you know, just broke up with him. And you know, that probably was, he didn't, we didn't go to scripture and we didn't go to, you know, any in-depth counseling there, but daddy just telling me that and sharing with me that he had suffered something similar just made me feel better. I just felt better. And to this day, I feel better when I think about that. Well, as much as my daddy helped me, and as much as he could sympathize with my troubles, I want to say to you, nobody knows your troubles like Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, sometimes we sing that song and we feel that way. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Oh, yes, somebody does. The Lord does. I don't know if Job got that. I don't think he did yet. But we're leading up to a point where Job is going to declare some faith that was amazing faith in that day. May, may we remember in the depths of trouble, that our God loves us with an everlasting love and knows our trouble. We are in good company. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.